Broadcasting live from the Wellness Wonderland, you're listening to the Wellness Wonderland Radio. I'm Katie, and each week I chat with the most inspirational people on the planet on how to stay inspired in all areas of life. As you listen, feel free to tweet at me, at Katie Dalebout, or use the hashtag Wellness Wonderland. I'd love to hear your aha moments. So grab your headphones and listen on the go, or cuddle up with a notebook as we dive in deep with authentic conversations right here in Wonderland. I am back. The Wellness Wonderland Radio is back today, and welcome. I have missed you. I've been on hiatus for a bit of the summer. If you're new to the show, this is Katie, your host of the Wellness Wonderland Radio, and I am so excited to be back with you guys. I missed the heck out of you. I hope you missed the show and missed me too. And before we get into today's brand new episode, the season three premiere of the Wellness Wonderland Radio podcast, I just thought I'd warm up the mics a little bit by chatting it up with you guys and giving you some announcements about me and where I've been and where I'm going and the show and what, what you can expect this season and really just hang out with you guys for a few minutes. I hope that's cool. So if you're new to the show, welcome to the Wellness Wonderland. What do we do here? Well, we speak to the most forward-thinking, authentic, healthiest people on the planet. They're leaders, they're authors, they're thinkers, they're philosophers, they're coaches, they're all-around groovy people who I love. So I like to think of myself as a little bit of a curator here. So you guys are trusting me with your ears for an hour plus. I'm pretty long-winded. A lot of times they go a little bit longer than an hour, but that's why I love this show and that's why I love this platform because it allows me to have these really deep conversations with people the first time I meet them, right? I can ask them questions that are pretty real, right? Like, how do you spend your morning and what's the last few things you do in the evening and what's your biggest struggle and what are you scared of, right? I can go there the first time I meet people because I have this little reason to ask, right? That I have you listening. So it's it's been such an awesome, unique opportunity for me. I can't believe that there are so many episodes and I'm already on season three. So Like I said, I love every one of them, and I highly suggest going back and and listening to the archives if you're new to the show, of course, and you can find those here on iTunes if you're listening on iTunes or on YouTube. They're all in different playlists or on my website, thewellnesswonderland.com. If you click on the archive tab, it'll take you right there, and it's a really great idea actually to go to my website to get the episodes or at least stop by there after you listen because that's where the show notes are and that's where all of the links to all of the things we mention are and it's just a really great way to get your info. So check out my website. So if you dig the show and you you want to support it, leave a review on iTunes. That would be super awesome. It brings more people to the show, which is really, really great because the more people who listen, the more people who will apply the information that we discuss. And then the more people who do that, the more people who live in their own wellness wonderland. And then the more the world becomes a wellness wonderland, right? So to do that, you need to launch the actual application of iTunes to leave the review. And I would just, I would love your your feedback, your honest feedback and opinions and how I can make the show better. Um, So yeah, that would be really great. And a couple announcements since we last spoke on me, your host. 
I finished my book. Yes, I'm so excited, you guys. I'm psyched. I can't wait for you to have it. But um, it's a long editing process, so it won't be available to you until 2016. But I am so looking forward to that. It's being published with Hay House, and I'm psyched. The book is called Let It Out, A Journey Through Journaling. And it's journaling prompts for you to really go deep and it's going to be so great. It's really based on my personal practices, so I can't wait to share it with you. Also, since we spoke, I created and launched my Enlightened Eating Guide. Guys, again, I'm so psyched about this guide. I love it so much, and the best news is that it's completely free, so just head on over to my site and you can get it. You just a free download, so... It's there, it's in the Enlightened Eating tab, and you just enter in your email, and I email it right to you. So head on over, grab the guide, join the Wellness Wonderland community, and it comes right to your inbox, which is awesome. So that's about it for general announcements. So we'll get into today's show, which is a repeat guest, none other than my really amazing mentor and emotional freedom from food guru Isabel Fox and Duke is in Wonderland today and today we go really deep and high level into emotional eating and freedom from food and we get into fat politics a little bit and it's really really awesome so we recorded this interview back in May actually before my summer hiatus and what you'll learn in this interview is a lot of really, like I said, high-level stuff from, from IFD, as I like to call her, Isabel Fox and Duke. But if you like her work, head on over to my website in the show notes for this episode and click on the link there to her free video training series, which is called Stop Fighting Food. And like I said, if any of this resonates with you, I highly recommend signing up for that. She has a really amazing program coming up, but we don't talk about the program, like I said, in this interview because we recorded it back in May, but it's launching now. It actually is launching on the 16th that you'll get the video. So it's super cool, and this woman has been instrumental in shifting my personal relationship with food and my body, which has been a big sword in my spine for for many years. So... I'm an affiliate for her program because I love it, and and I'm not really an affiliate for anything, but I am for this because her work has so strongly impacted me, and if you want to stop fighting food, go to my site, click on the Stop Fighting Food box on the left-hand side of my sidebar or the link in the show notes if you're listening here, and go and grab that free video training series with Isabel because... Like I said, transformational stuff and working with her has really impacted my life. So I think it can impact yours. If you dig me, you'll probably dig her, right? So that's it. That's it for me. I'm so glad to be back. Happy fall and or whenever you're listening to this. Enjoy Isabel Fox and Duke. Leave a review. Let me know if you have any questions. Email me whenever I'm here. I'd love to talk and I'll see you on the other side of this episode. Have a great week. Today we have only our second ever repeat guest, and this is one of my favorite people on the planet, favorite teachers, and such a person doing amazing work. Isabel Fox and Duke is back. She is an emotional attachment to food guru. She's a tell it like it is, hilarious, 
intellectual, intelligent coach, speaker, and teacher helping women all over the world release their crazy patterns around food, ditch the diets that don't work, and feed their bodies with ease. We were just talking before the call. I talk. I call her the Lena Dunham of the coaching world in this, and she has both become a friend and a mentor to me, um, and I'm just so excited to have her back. Interviewing is an amazing platform for Isabel, and as you know, I love interviewing people, and I'm also so familiar with her work that today's going to just be a great jamming session for us. So um, if you don't know Isabel, jump back to episode nine of the Wellness Wonderland podcast where we go in really deep with her story and we get into how she came to this work. But today we're going to dive into a masterclass on emotional eating. So buckle your seatbelts. Let's dive in. You ready, Isabel? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So I want to bring everyone up to speed on the connection between emotional eating and um, body image and how, you know, can't have one without the other. Let's jump in there. Yeah. Well, so it's interesting because this is, so this is a really, okay, so I'm just going to actually start with, if you don't mind, start talking about the distinction that we just talked about earlier before we started recording. And then I'm going to get it. This ties into the body image thing, I promise. Yeah. I I I had that question above, but I moved it. So go, go for it. Okay, cool. So yeah. So I mean, basically, you know, when people talk about emotional eating, I always say there's three people, there's three reasons why anyone puts anything in their mouth um, ever, you know, and one of those is like physical hunger, physical need, satiation, you know, energy. The other is emotional hunger, right? So like, I'm lonely, I'm anxious, I'm bored, I'm going to put something in my mouth to make me feel better temporarily. And then there's binge eating, which is essentially a reaction to deprivation of some kind, um, whether that be emo- like physical deprivation, like you're actually holding yourself back, trying not to eat something, or and then of course you know feel like you're in a box that you need to break out of immediately and like go rush and like eat an entire box of cookies because like oh god the diet starts tomorrow and you know just constantly feeling in that sort of rebellious place with food like you're either tied up or rebelling and 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 this is a distinction that's important is that you can also binge eating can also be a reaction to emotional deprivation with food, meaning even if you're letting yourself physically, even if you're physically putting food in your mouth, if you're judging yourself for doing it and shaming yourself for putting in the food in your mouth and feeling guilty about it and feeling badly about it, you know, essentially you are depriving yourself of that emotional experience of enjoying food. And also you're kind of subliminally giving yourself the message this is wrong. This is bad. I shouldn't be doing this. Tomorrow, I'm not going to do this anymore. Tomorrow is day one. Tomorrow, the diet starts again. I think in general, binge eating, you could say, is really a reaction to this idea of tomorrow, the diet starts again. So even if you're, if whether you're eating or whether you're not eating or whether, you know, regardless of sort of what's going on, um, like how conscious you are of what's going on. If you're feeling shame and guilt around food or trying actively not to eat something, that diet starts tomorrow, better get it in now mentality is kind of inevitable. So yeah, so those are, that was a very abrupt, uh, shortened version of this really big concept that I could talk about for a really long time. But the way this plays into body image is twofold, right? So 
binge eating, it makes sense, is very related to body image because why the hell does anyone feel like they need to diet, right? Why the hell does anyone ever feel like triggered to diet? Like, oh gosh, tomorrow I'm not going to do this anymore is because of their relationship with their bodies and not feeling either A, good enough the way they are or B, are afraid of gaining weight in the future, right? Like I think that that's that's important as it could be. Yeah, yeah it's, it could be either not feeling comfortable with the way you are now or just being afraid of gaining weight, yes. right? So even if you love your body, and we've talked about this yeah, before. This is, my, this is my issue, to be very authentic. Yes, yeah, 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 totally. I don't think you're alone in that. It's like, right. it's, it's like I'm okay right now, but I'm afraid of the food. Yep. I'm, I'm afraid of the weight gain, whatever. So, um, yeah, so binge eating and body image are connected in a really obvious way to me um, in the sense that, you know, if binge eating is a direct result of dieting in some capacity, I think what people don't recognize is that, or what people often miss, is that people don't diet in a vacuum. Why does anyone diet to begin with or feel judgment or shame around their food? It's because of their relationship with their bodies. Again, either not feeling good enough the way they are or being feeling afraid of weight gain, that fear of fat that I've definitely spoken about in previous interviews. Yeah, and and I think it's either it can start as, you know, the weight loss and then it can when you do do it, it's like nothing happens. We you know, you've talked about that also before is that you, maybe you get to that body that you had wanted so badly and then mm-hmm. nothing happens and then you transition into the fear and that this your issues with food are still the same. Well, yeah, I mean that's a that's a, a really really good point is that you have to ask yourself, well, why do you want to lose weight to begin with? You know, people don't, people want to lose weight because of what they think weight loss will bring them. And so many women go through the experience of losing weight, right? Like I, I, I went through all of this like intense, crazy dieting and I, you know, I exercised my face off and I worked so hard and I buckled down and I like put myself through hell to get the specific body type. And then once I achieved it in quotes, um, it wasn't good enough. There was still more to go. Then I was in a position where I felt like, oh my gosh, I have to stay in this like place of like hell and being obsessed with food in order to maintain it. Um, Women also go through the experience of just feeling like, oh wow, I thought when I was thin that I would be, you know, every guy would be flocking to me and I would have a boyfriend and um, all my friends would respect me and I'd be the queen of the world. You know, so there's just a lot of expectations, various different types of expectations that women have about how their life will be when they achieve a certain size. And I think that not achieving that is, uh, (laughs) you know, like that sort of dream not actually becoming a reality uh, is is also very triggering, right? Well, well, one doesn't have to do with the other, I think is the point, you know, like your weight doesn't have to do with getting all of those things that you wanted when you thought you would, would, that you thought you'd get when you had that weight just are not, they're not the same thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. They're absolutely definitely not the same thing. And I think that I think one of the things that I spend a lot of time really teaching women is that women don't think it's possible to get the things that they want at their current size, but when you yes. really break it down, m- everything that women want from losing weight, if you break it down and like 
to its core, like what do people want? They want connection. They want respect. They want to feel good about themselves. They want intimacy. They want, you know, most, all of those things are things that can be achieved at any size, but women just place that they just like have this vision of like, oh, those things are only achievable if I lose weight. Like weight loss is the fastest way to get there. In fact, I'm not sure how I, most women don't know how to get there without weight loss in quotes, right? Like they think weight loss is the, is their only idea. It's like the only thing they're like, oh, I want, you know, more love in my life, more intimacy, more connection. I want to be promoted at work. I want all my friends to like me. Yeah. Yeah, Like, oh, well I know the fast way to get there. The fast track to get there is to lose (laughs) 15 pounds. When you Um, say it out loud, it's so silly, but it's just, it's so, we're so weird as creatures that as a society that this is what we've come to. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because we could also talk all day long about, you know, sort of a lot of the, one of the questions that I often get from women, uh, get from women, which we kind of also talked about right before we hopped on this call is, but Isabel, isn't it really true? Isn't it really a true reality that like this weight stigma problem does exist and people do judge each other based on their size? Um, which is, which is of course, yes, it is true. <laughs> um, but ultimately at the end of the day, it's kind of like, well, there's a, like, everyone's constantly judging each other based on everything. Do you know right. what I mean? Like you can't really control other people's opinions of you. You can only trust that the people who are meant to be in your life are the people who are going to accept you and love you the way you are. Yeah. Um, you know, like weight is a very, it's a very tempting thing. Uh, to focus on as a means of controlling how other people feel about us. But A, it's not that effective because while, yes, people may be judging you based on your size, they're also judging you based on like a billion other things. Um, you know, it's like we, we really have this overemphasis on weight as this like determinant of how people treat us. And and secondly, you know, I think with when it comes to weight stigma and sort of this whole concept of like controlling our weight, it's sort of like, what are you willing to do to get people to like you? And what are you just not willing to do to get people like you? Like, I'm just not willing to make myself miserable in the hopes of like, you know, getting a different guy to think I'm hot. Like, this is just not something I'm willing to do anymore. Like at this point, I'm at a place in my life where I'm like, do you know what? Like, I can only just be myself and like be the happiest version of me, which does not include dieting. Yeah. And like, the people who are meant to be in my life are going to be in my life and they're going to be like, they're going to be so attracted to like my flame of just like feeling awesome and feeling happy in myself without feeling like I constantly need to make myself miserable in order to like attract some sort of like false relationship that's based on this like superficial shit anyway. Right, right. Yeah. So, so, so I think that um, here's, here's the big epidemic that is plaguing us that worse than anything I've ever seen is just this diet mindset that so many people are stuck in. And mm-hmm. um, and even if they have heard what we've spoken about so far and they're like, yes, I've been crazy around food. These people sound like they, they, they're on to something, but I am still stuck intuitively in that diet mindset that I grew up with, you know, the diet starts tomorrow, so I have to get it in now. Or maybe it's like just things like sizing up what's on your plate of, oh, I need to eat more today. Or, you know, Mm -hmm. I did that workout and I need to 
get this in or what it gets ingrained in our minds. If you've been yep. in the health space or people coming to this podcast um, who mm-hmm. have read and who are into this stuff, mm-hmm. how do you coach people to start to shift out of that? What are some good things to get started there? Well, I always ask people, so there's two there's two things coming up. And the second one I don't talk about too much. I talk a lot about body image because I really do think that that's the core issue. And it, and it does play into the health conversation as well. But I always also say, like, you know, I think that in the wellness space in general, like, how are we defining health as individuals? Like, I think that there's a lot of um, just sort of, like, obsession with making healthy choices almost to a fault. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure, like, I mean, I think anyone who like works in the wellness space or like, you know, as somebody who, you know, most of my peers are in the wellness space, right? Like I technically work in the wellness space and I see this all the time where just people just become like, it becomes, I'm going to control my health as a way to control my universe. Right. So again, this conversation about control is a really big one, right? So I'm going to control my weight in order to control the universe. I'm going to control my weight in order to control whether or not I get married. I'm going to control my weight in order to control how my friends feel about me. I'm going to control my weight as a way to control like all of these things in the universe that are really inherently uncontrollable, right? Like in reality, like you are not in control of when you get married. You are not in control of like who likes you and who doesn't. You are not going to, like, we, like, we have very, very, that's why religion exists. It's yeah, like, I love when you like, say this. Yeah. yeah. Like to deal with, like, to deal and spirituality with spirituality and yeah, all of it. Exactly. This is like, these are all just like mental tools to deal with the inherent, like fear that all human beings feel around living in an uncertain world where the yeah. truth of the matter is that you could get hit by a car tomorrow. And that's you just like my no favorite idea. concept you've given me. It's really affected me deeply since I first heard you talk about it. Yeah, it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. I talk about this. This is like a key thing that I talk about with my clients is this issue of like control, right? So women, you know, the big issue, the reason that women are obsessed with food is because they're trying to control the universe through controlling their weight, yeah. right? Like if I um, lose five pounds or if I don't gain five pounds or da, 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 if I control my weight to some capacity, then like I can make sure that I'm safe and I'm okay in an inherently chaotic world. But that is, of course, delusional, right? Like you can't, you, if you could be as thin as you want to get and like you still might, like your husband might cheat on you, like all sorts of things can happen, right? Like lots of good things can happen too, right? Like it's not so depressing. It just, it just is what it is. Like this is just the facts. The reality of the situation is that like 99% of the things that happen to us as individuals are not something that we control. It's like random, um, and in a, and in a, and in a space and in a world, especially in the Western world where people are kind of like obsessed with like free will and like in America in particular, people are obsessed with meritocracy, you know, it's really easy to think like, oh, like it's, I can choose whether I live or die. Like I just have to work hard enough. Um, and of course that's not the case. So weight loss becomes this like forum for us to play out this control freakness that makes us feel like we've got a handle on things like, okay, I know, I know I won't be lonely anymore. I'll just go on a diet and then I'll lose weight and then I won't be lonely anymore. And then like everyone will love me and everything will be awesome. Um, and so, yeah, so that's sort of how, you know, body image plays into this. But just secondly, what I was kind of looping back now, 
people also do this with their health. You know, I think that like orthorexia in quotes, so yeah. like people who are obsessed, you know, people who are obsessed with um, like only eating clean foods and like obsessed right. with only eating like pure foods and putting pure things into their body or whatever. It's also, it's like this false sense of control. Like if I can control my body, then like I can control the universe, right? Like basically like I can play God. I can not die. Like I'm in control of when I die. Like if I only eat these certain foods in these certain amounts and I like never touch this and I only do this, then I'm going to live to be 160 and I'll never die and like everything will be fine. That's sort of like the underlying implication. Um, and you know, whenever we feel out of control in any area of our life, right. So like, I often find like my clients, like when they're struggling the most with their body image or struggling the most with their food is when they're dealing with something in their real life that has this like, you know, fear of uncertainty attached to it. Like they have an interview for a job coming up or they're not sure if some guy's going to call them back or, you know, there's just something, something that they can't control. That's just like hanging out in the wings and they're really feeling this fear that humans attach to uncertainty, right? Or this, this fear, you know, this, this just, they're experiencing uncertainty and feeling fear about it, which is pretty normal, pretty human, pretty like animalistic behavior. And then they're like, oh my gosh, I don't want to feel this fear. So I'm going to try and control it either through like only eating like raw vegan everything so that I never die or like weight control or whatever. So I think that you know, just to, again, bringing it back, body image, I think, is a huge key thing. I think that people can also get really controlling about health-related stuff for that same reason, where it's like, I'm going to become obsessed about, like, eating clean so that I can control whether I live or die, right? So, like, I can, like, play God, when the fact of the matter is, is, like, you could, like, never eat out at a restaurant and never hang out with your friends and, like, have this, like, shitty life of, like, sitting in your apartment, like, being obsessed with, like, you know, whether or not your, like, brown rice has been... clean so- eats. Yeah. Right, yeah, 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 exactly. Like, you can do that, and the truth of the matter is, is that, like, you still might get hit by a car tomorrow. Miserable, hashtag clean eats. <laughs> yeah, like, not only are you, like, potentially like ruining the life that short life that you have like you are gonna die so you should like use your life you should like have a good time you know to some extent right um you should be enjoying yourself so definitely like let's try not to be miserable here but second of all you know I think it's deeper than that I think it's also like um you know the the just like really like just like getting an acceptance of the reality of the situation whereas like you know at the end of the day, like, even, like, you know, raw vegans get cancer, too. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. Hashtag that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, I think it's true. <laughs> so I think that's a really good shift for people. But on a practical level, when those types of thoughts are so ingrained in people's mind of they they have that information because they've learned it and it's been – it's part of their mental construct now – how and you know maybe they're they're using food as you know they are using it as their way to control but what are some things that have maybe worked on your clients that you know a common one i know is kind of using food as a reward whether it's after a workout or you've had a long day and a lot of people struggle and i know you've spoken about this before where they've um you know been great all day and then it it's like they come home and then it's just like shit hits the fan and they go into this mode where it's like I think you know and you you spoke about this a little bit before it's like I think our um 
our patterns kind of dictate what we do around food. Like, I know I've been in this situation. And I've heard other people discuss this where it's like, oh, something stressful just came up. I just got a stressful email. I'm going to turn to the to the apple I have next to me and just start eating it because that's that's my pattern. And I've done that before. And then I'll be like, wait a second. Like, I that's okay. That's okay. That's the old thing I just do because I would turn to the food. That's ingrained in me. But mm-hmm. how do you tell people to shift that and be – and it's fine, you know, if I eat the apple really quickly in that way because I don't want to deal with the email or mm-hmm. to say, look, there's there's another way to handle this. So, um, you know, and, and I love how you've spoken about that before where it's like food – is a way of coping with stress and a way of coping with anxiety and emotion, but it's not the best and it's also not the worst. Right. It's not the only. It's not the only. Yeah, I wouldn't even say best or worst. I would just say it's not the only. Exactly. No, like one of the things that I talk about a lot is this idea of like every human being relies on some level on coping mechanisms, right? Like coping mechanisms get a really bad rap in, in, you know, in sort of the self-help world today. Um, And like people are always like, oh my, feel your feelings, like whatever. But it's like sometimes you're going to need to cope. Like animals need to cope. Like they need distraction. They need pain relief. Like again, another reason why religion exists, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you're really like getting into it. Um, so if, you know, food is just one way of coping. It's one out of like a billion different options you have for coping. Now, this is where, going back to your very original first question. There's a lot in there. Yeah. Well, yeah, damn. Um, (laughs) what's interesting about emotional eating as a coping mechanism is that I often distinguish between Binge, right, I distinguish at the beginning of this call between binge eating and emotional eating, and and it's very it should be very clear to everyone at this point why binge eating and body image go together, right? Because right. binge eating is a reaction to dieting, which is just a reaction to fear of fat or not liking yourself the way you are. Got it, yeah. But emotional eating is also related to body image in the sense that there's actually, and this is not something I invented. I actually learned this statistic. This is just like science and evidence. If anyone um, is interested, there's a great book, classic text called Health at Every Size by a woman named Linda Bacon, which is like one of the most important written works about obesity-related health issues um, and the connection between health and weight and really challenging, like, what is the connection between health and weight? Like, you know, what validity does that have? What makes somebody healthy? What's not? It's an incredibly fascinating book. But right. one of the things Put it in the show notes. Put it in the show notes. It's amazing. It's a life, totally life-altering book. Um, but uh, one of the things – it's very dense with material. You know, this woman was a – first of all, a thin woman – no food issues of her own. She was just a researcher around obesity-related health issues. And she collected information and just data and statistics and evidence. And she just did all these, like, amazing, amazing, like, 20 years' worth of, like, clinical trials and work. Not trials, just, you know, clinical, mm-hmm. like, studies um, around eating behaviors and diet behaviors and, and, you know, what makes somebody fat and what doesn't and da, da, da. And what she realized was um, one of the things that she found in her research is that, like, there is a direct correlation between a person's history of restriction and the degree to which they turn to food in moments of either emotional discomfort or um, when they are uninhibited, when they lose their inhibitions. So basically, basically what she's saying is, when dieters get stressed out, 
or drunk, <laughs> they eat. When people who have never dieted, when non when people who do not have a history of restriction get stressed out or drunk, they don't eat. Mm. Yeah, they lose their they actually eat less, right? So non-dieters in moments of of like, you know, emotional duress they lose their appetites, which makes sense, right? Like biologically, even though we may turn to food for emotional soothing, our actual like hunger right. mechanism generally turns off turns when we're off. stressed out. Yeah. yeah. So, um, or when we're anxious or nervous, that's a biological response to like, okay, we got to like preserve this fat and like run yeah. away from the tiger kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So most people, you know, you're not actually, when you're really stressed out, you're generally definitely not physically, usually not physically hungry, or you lose your appetite to some capacity. But you tend to want to turn to food for grounding, right? Like food is very emotionally grounding. It really is. Like it it, it makes you feel physically heavier, you know? Right. Like, <laughs> like, um, so, and, and also, you know, pleasure since there's all sorts of, I mean, there's all sorts of reasons why food is like a, an emotional comfort, but it's just interesting that basically, even when you remove the judgment and the shame, even when you peel off that, emo- that binge eating layer, that's obviously related to body image. It's just interesting that even pure emotional eating even just pure, like, I'm not judging myself. I don't care, but I'm just eating because I'm anxious. I'm just eating because I'm bored. I'm just eating because I'm yes. People who have a history of dieting just tend to move more towards food in those instances than people who don't. Mm. Now, obviously, the farther away, as somebody gives up dieting, as you give up trying to control your food and trying to restrict, you, you – so, well, actually, before I go into that, I'll just say – so when I read the statistic, the, my immediate thought was, oh, my God, that makes perfect sense. Why would that be the case? Why is there statistical evidence that people who diet eat emotionally turn, tend to turn towards food more in moments of duress than people who don't? Why does that make perfect fucking sense? And the reason it makes perfect sense is because people who diet are thinking about food more. Right. So, like, when you look at, like, this diverse, this whole, like, concept of diversify your coping mechanisms, right? Like, I'm anxious. Like, I could eat, I could watch TV, I could snort heroin, I could smoke cigarettes, I could call a friend, I could take a bath, right? Like there's a whole wide variety of options of ways to deal with pain. If you're a dieter and you're thinking about food all day long, doesn't it make sense? Yeah, exactly. Like if you, even like if you- It's the first thing that pops into your mind. Exactly. Exactly. It's like I've been thinking about food all day long, so it makes sense that my immediate reaction would be to like eat something. Absolutely. So it, so it, it's brilliant. It's like I read this statistic and I was like, oh my gosh, like basically she just like scientifically and clinically proved something that like I've ha- had a theory about for years, which is amazing. But um, so that's where like even emotion, so binge eating is obviously correlated to body image issues because binge eating is just a reaction to dieting. But emotional eating is also correlated to dieting because emotional eating, excuse me, is also correlated to body image because emotional eating generally is more severe in people who have restrictive tendencies, like even just pure non-judgmental emotional eating. So, um, yeah, the good news is, (laughs) I mean, not the good news necessarily, but well, yeah, the good news, I would say this is good news is that as people give up dieting, as people get farther and farther away from restricting and like really relinquish control of their food, 
they naturally develop like other start to develop mechanisms. other coping mechanisms. Yeah, exactly. They start to learn and start to use new coping mechanisms. Because like, they're thinking of food less. Yes. Cause they're, and, and when you're thinking about food less, what are you thinking more about? Other shit. Right. right. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you start to like mm-hmm. get a life, you start to do things all of a sudden, like, you know, that television show that you really like becomes your new coping mechanism, you know, all that's of a sudden grounding to you. And that gives you the same high that the food did before. Exactly. You, you gravitate towards it rather than the food. That's, I'm so glad you brought that up because the, the whole time you were speaking, I was like, yes, right on, right on. But I know people and I know myself and I want to say, Isabel, like that's great, but I'm one of those people who has been the chronic dieter. Is there hope? How can I turn to another coping mechanism right. to be my default? And right. I think you just touched on that. So that's great. Yeah, totally. The answer is basically like I always say like binge eating is something you can stop doing in an instant. Like today, if you just decided that you did not give a fuck about your weight and you were like just going to be okay with your size no matter what, you would never binge again. Like seriously. Like I know that that's harder said than done, but like theoretically, you could do that. Like theoretically, in theory, you could get to a place where you're just like, I've had enough. Fuck it. I don't care what I weigh. I'm just going to be okay with anything I put in my mouth. Fuck it. Like, and you would never binge eat again. You would truly never binge eat again, according to this definition that I've just given you, which is that binge eating is this reaction to shame and, you know, judgment around food, basically. However, emotional eating is something that tapers off over time. You can't, like, it's, it's, first of all, no one ever gets to the point where, like, they never eat emotionally because, like, even the most- part of normal- That's part of normal eating. It's like eating a piece of birthday cake is emotional because, like, you're doing it for non-hunger-related reasons. Like, dessert is essentially emotional. emotional. Yeah, exactly. Because you're never hungry after a meal. It's an emotional thing. Right, exactly. You don't need – your body doesn't need sugar. Like, that's not, like, a physical need. It's emotional and, like, that's cool. Like, that's great. That's part – again, part of – Normal eating pleasurable eating. Yeah. Food is supposed to be pleasurable. There's biological reasons for that. Makes sense. So, um, yeah. So, oh my gosh, I completely just lost my train of thought. Oh, so anyway, so the point is binge eating, you could theoretically stop doing right now. Emotion, theoretically, right. If you like got the body, if you really got a handle on the body image shit, emotional eating is just something that like, once you stop judging and shaming and stop dieting, essentially, once you're no longer emotionally attached to what you're putting in your mouth, the emotional eating is just something that's going to slowly taper off over time. Because once you give up, when you really truly give up dieting and like basically like relinquish this like control around food and weight, you will just naturally as a human being, you just naturally start to develop new coping mechanisms. Yeah, I love that. And it's just something to be patient on. And I think, you know, the other thing I just want to touch on is that like, there is hope. And it's like, it's not be you're not doomed because you've had a dieting mentality that you're always going to go to emotional eating. And the other thing is that like, you you will and I do and Isabel does sometimes and we all do and it's like it's again part of normal eating and the biggest shift for me is to not judge myself when I'm doing it and to get that's the hunger and fullness diet which Isabel has discussed at length in other interviews that I'll link them all but the hunger and fullness diet is essentially when you're judging yourself for your emotional eating and saying oh I'm not eating as a physical need for hunger I am bad and that goes to the shame and then that puts you back on that cycle so it brings you back to the binge eating 
Exactly. Yeah, totally. It brings you back to the binge eating. It's like the binge eating always goes, that's the first to go. Right. Once you get rid of the judgment and shame, you're like 90% of the way there, in my opinion. I mean, you're like, that's level one. That has to happen first. After you get rid of the judgment and the shame, then the emotional eating, honestly, I think just starts to take care of itself over time. Um, I really believe that. I mean, you just, and like you start, and like making your life bigger, you know, then it becomes more of a life coaching issue. Yeah. It becomes more of a life coaching issue than a food coaching issue. It becomes more like, okay, like let's expand, like we can give diversifying your coping mechanisms a little push by just making you have an awesome life. Yep. Like we can help you if we know that that the answer to quote unquote emotional eating is just to di- is to start diversifying your coping mechanisms, then like yeah sure let's we can do we t- let's yeah. do it yeah exactly <laughs> like yeah basically. so that's funny I was actually thinking about that when when you were speaking I was like really Isabel's more you you kind of maybe you start with the food with people and then you're completely a life coach with people. Yeah, when you get I mean, to their coach, coping, coping mechanism, coping mechanisms, and also the control stuff. Yeah, you know the control stuff. I mean, that is like deep. That's like deep spiritualism. Like you, I really feel like you boil down like any world religion, and it comes down to the control stuff. Yep. Yeah. Um. And you know, Gabby talks about that. Marion Williams. I mean, it's 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 every. It is at the core of like yeah. most spiritual practice. Really, when you think about it. Um, so that's general life coaching. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. One-on-one. So, yeah. okay. So stay, we're, we're going deep. We're moving right along here. So one thing I really wanted to get to, and, and we've addressed, you know, this dieting mentality. And, and like you said, at the very beginning of the call, we cannot get through these issues without addressing the body image conversation. And as the reason I am here talking to you again, having all of the wellness wonderland hear this conversation and and when going back to what we were talking about before with um you know being in this space of wellness I mean my freaking platform is called the wellness wonderland but the fact is it's not about the food it's not about the fitness like maybe people come to this conversation for that but they'll leave with the greater knowledge that it's about how to be in this world and I think you can't really fully and express yourself unless we handle these body image issues. So I want to really dive in there with that. And the more that we can do that, the more that it becomes the norm in society and the more people we get on board with this. So that's why, you know, I'm on my soapbox and you're on your soapbox and we're, you know, jamming today for people to hear this. So totally going with that, that body image conversation, um, in one of your recent interviews, you gave a tool that was a paradigm shifter for me. I don't even know if you know what I'm going to say, but um, this great tip that you gave was to get started in this body image um, to really start to shift things is to find examples of people rocking at either your weight or higher, your size or higher, Mm -hmm. who are really loving their life and people that you admire and surrounding Mm -hmm. yourself um, with those types of things. Could you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, I just think that that's so huge. I really just feel like, you know, at at the end of the day, we've talked about this, you know, quote unquote, fat phobia or weight stigma is a social issue. It's that we are taught by media, by people all over. We're constantly being modeled that being thin is like what needs to happen in order to like get love and respect. So I think what, what actually ends up like, what's, what 
kind of shifts people out of that are people who challenge that model, right? Like who in your life is like, just like looking awesome, like wearing awesome clothes, like feeling great in their body, like having a wild sex life, like have awesome, having awesome relationships who's super popular and cool and funny, you know, like who are those people in your life who are just effing awesome, who you totally look up to and also, by the way, don't necessarily fit into your current body paradigm. Like, who are those people? Can you look to them and and really ask yourself, like, well, like, why are they so awesome? And why do they have everything that you think thin will get you? But they're not thin or they're not as thin as you or whatever. They're not as, you know, they're not whatever. They're not what you think that you need to be in order to get all those things. So basically what you're doing is you're calling bullshit on yourself. You're challenging yourself. You're like, wait a second. I think I need to lose weight in order to get all these things. But then there's these girls, there's these women over here who have all the things that I want and they're not necessarily thin. Like, how are they doing that? Like, how? Like, what's going on? What's happening for them? Like, why? What? what is it about them? Like, what is it about them that makes them so, like, awesome even though they are not thin, basically? Um and it just starts to like, it just, it, it basically, you're just, you're challenging yourself. You know what I mean? Like we have this belief that we need to be thin in order to get all the things that we want. And that like, you know, there's this, you know, sort of like mutually exclusive, like, well, I'll just say, I'll just leave it as people think that they need to be thin in order to get the things they want until they start to actually look around and see that there are plenty of women who are their size or bigger that actually have awesome lives. Um, and have all the things that they want. And, and it's just a real, I think it's a, you know, it's a mind fuck, excuse me. No, no I, th- yeah. I think that's important. And I think, you know, I'll, I'll speak for myself. I think I intuitively do that with people where I'll, I'll see them, you know, feeling comfortable in their body and I'll be like, it's, it's inspirational just to see, you know, anyone at any size. Yeah. So seeing that let's say because I do it with all sorts of people different some are bigger than me some are my size some are smaller than me mm-hmm. so when you do admire someone who is in in who is in that paradigm but their body is smaller than yours and they're and then you get into that mindset of you think you need to be a certain way right. what are right. what are some ways to shift out of that yeah, so that's a super interesting question is also like I definitely know – I was. it's funny because I would look at – like I'll look at – I was on the train yesterday and like, you know, if you look at women who are thinner than you, you could probably break them up into two categories as well. Like women who are thinner than you who you like really, really admire and respect and who you think are awesome and they've got the cute clothes and they've got the perfect boyfriends and all the, all the friends and all the respect and all the love. And then there's also women who are thinner than you who you, like, are not jealous of at all, mm. right? Like, those women also exist. Yeah. Like, there's definitely women who are thinner than you who are like, oh, they're thinner than me, but, like, like so I'm... you could do this the other way almost. Right, and right, right, I see, yeah. where you, I see where you're going with this. Yeah, yeah. And it's just, again, like, that's a more negative perspective. Like, right. I, you right. know, of course, right. like, I, I prefer to be like, why don't you find the, find the awesomeness in, like, women who are yes, bigger than you? I like that much better. Of but, course. Yeah. Of course, as opposed to, like, why don't you find women who are thinner than you? <laughs> Suck. It's almost yeah, silly. But, um, it's almost yeah. silly, but yeah. <laughs> like, but, like, but the point is, is that 
the, the, the <laughs> reason to just keep this in mind is just basically like, yes, it goes both ways. We, basically what I want to help women do is separate like being awesome from, from being a certain weight, like having the things that you want in your life and being a certain weight. Like these two things don't go together anywhere, but in your own delusional mind. Yeah. And if you actually like looked around, you would see that to be the case. Like if you actually just like took a moment and looked for it, I think that that's a really big issue with body image is that like women don't really want to do body image work because they have all these hangups about how like if I loved myself the way I was, I would get fat and everyone would hate me. It's like this like cycle where they like hate themselves and it's like ruining their lives, but they like think that self-hating is like motivating or something. I don't know. How far has it gotten you? Right. Yeah. How far is it? It doesn't work guys. Like range. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't work. Um, but anyway, but it's kind of hilarious. Anyway, the point is, is like, so when women don't want to do this work, they don't, they, they, they are just looking for things in the world that support their current belief system. So like if your current belief system, and this is just straight up life coaching, if your current belief system is you have to be thin to be happy, you are only going to see like thin women that are happy and you're only going to see fat women who are unhappy. Yep. Yep. If that's your, you, whatever your current belief system is, you are just going to like look for things that prove what you believe. So now it becomes like, can I challenge my belief system? If I was challenging my belief that you had to be thin to be happy and I actually started to look for evidence of that, actually started to look for women who were bigger than me and very happy and women who are thinner than me and not so happy, you might find it. She Seek and ye shall find. You know? Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. I mean, I think, I think the issue here is that, um, you know, to get all spiritual on people, like, judgment keeps us stuck and that's what, right. that's what you're doing in the first place. That's what got you here is judgment and right. bottom line separateness and and from a spiritual perspective we are all one so and you know and one of the things that that you taught me Isabel that I also really adore that we didn't touch on today is that thank God that there is bio individuality that we are all different because can you imagine if we all had the exact same body like that would really suck so it's like stop judging and just be grateful that we are are all different and that's cool and um, just just sort of embrace that. And like even me saying it right now, it's like, yeah, easier said than done. I know a lot of people are thinking that. And I think the biggest thing to kind of take away is that like all of, of what we're saying today and again, this is high level work. I think I want to really say that like we didn't really go into any of the how to get here like I want people to go back and listen to I've interviewed Isabel three times previous to this and we'll post all of those so I think um it's important to listen to those conversations but this is a process and this is something that you know I go in and out of it all the time and um I just had a conversation with with Jordan Bach and he was saying we were talking about this concept when it comes to authenticity and authenticity is great and obviously it's what I promote number one here in my platform but it's not something to judge yourself for when you do go out of it because we all do. And same thing with emotional eating. It's not like, oh, scrap the whole thing. I emotionally ate when I wasn't hungry. Forget it. Or I wasn't authentic today. I'm going to be fake the rest of the day. Like that's stupid and dumb. So don't do that. 
And same thing with body image. Like, you know, I think that that's really what it boils down to is like, in my opinion, you know, emotional eating and binge eating for that matter are just like, you know, they're they're body image problems in disguise largely. Like if you like really boil it down, like it all kind of comes back to this conversation around body image. And the thing is with body image and the reason I think women do get trapped is that it is, of course, really easy to fall back into the thought of, I want to be thin. I'll get more things when I'm thin. Social status is attached to thinness because we are being taught that every single day. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. there is something to be said for, yeah, like, there is, like, a... Like, it's like not I your said, fault. Right. Like, this is this way. is... Right, exactly. Like, this is a real thing. This isn't just, like, something you made up. Like, yes, like, there is, like, social status attached to weight, and weight stigma is real, and weight discrimination is real, and, like, all of these things are happening, and, like... It it makes you're not you're not crazy. You're not yeah. Yeah, you're you not, aren't wrong. Right. Forgive yourself and let's just fix it and move on. And that Isabel's here to save the day. Right. She's got tons of cool programs and stuff coming up for you. You can work with her one on one, and she's just got amazing stuff coming up that I'm going to be talking about a lot in Wonderland. That's just really freaking cool. So speaking of, she's hosting. Uh, this will air much after this, but she's hosting an event for her list. Um, you can find her at isabelfoxandduke.com. It's her name completely spelled out. Obviously, the links will be below. But before we go, um, as you know, I end with quick fires, and I'm not going to ask Isabel the actual quick fires. I usually ask because they're, again, in episode nine. But I had more questions I want to ask her, so I'm going to make you answer these as quick fires. How do you feel okay. about that? Isabel? All right. Let, well, well, let's, let's, do that. let's bust through them because I couldn't. Sure. I ask you these and we're running late on time so all right well actually we would have been fine but we were like chatting before this so here we go so now when you're having a funky body image moment what is some of the tactics you do to shift yourself out of it quickly um definitely like okay like surrender relinquish control like there's nothing like I really this is a huge question this is not a quick fire question Katie shoot this is not. It wasn't a- meant to be. <laughs> I mean, essentially, you know, I think that like I have a pretty like um, this is I have a spiritual, a quasi spiritual perspective on weight in which like I really surrender. Like I really, I really choose to under. I really look at the world. I look at my weight from the lens that it's really not something that's in my control. And that it's really just is what it is, what it is, what it is on every given day, regardless of what I ate that day, regardless of what happened, like everything that every behavior I've ever taken is a result of like, you know, teachings and things that I've learned and previous experiences. It's like the butterfly effect. And really at the end of the day, my weight being exactly what it is right now is really truly not in my control. It is a, it is just a culmination of like every experience I've ever had, you know, my biology, my genetics, my environment. It's a culmination of my diet history, every thought I've ever had, every trigger I've ever had for emotional eating, every time I've ever been uncomfortable, every time anything bad's ever happened to me, anytime anything good's ever happened to me. Like every, like my weight truly on a metaphysical level is not in my control. And I think that when we, you know, I mean, that, that's, I guarantee will confuse the shit out of a lot of you. And you'll be like, no, it is. I swear it is. But it's really, really, if you really, really like think deeply and spiritually, it's really not. So, um, and I think acknowledge and acknowledging that like takes the pressure off. Yeah. Oh, just you saying it, that whole thing was just, oh, I, I already feel relief just saying that. I'm so glad that that I asked that question. Yeah. Good. (laughs) Okay, Um, cool. I think, you know, 
I, I could go on about this forever, but I think, you know, one of the things um, when I had Quinn on the show, health coach Quinn, she said that every morning she um, she puts her hand on her stomach where she carries her um, weight and she says, you know, I love you, I understand why you're here, and I release you. And I think it really goes to your message, Isabel. It's like stop fighting food, stop fighting that actual weight, and just surrender to it and just kind of dance with the emotional eating and the – body image issues and the authenticity, whatever it is that like you're going to go in and out of it and that's okay and it's not in your control. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totes. I love Quinn. She is so great. So great. So great. She's my bestie. Yeah. Uh, So uh, love you guys. You guys are my besties. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay. So what would you – if you could whisper in the ear to yourself, that girl years ago who was so scared and so – messed up with this diet cycle and this body hate obsession, diet obsession, what would you whisper into her ear if you could just say like one line? That's also a really hard question because in my head I'd be like, this, like I, I, you know, it's funny because like I would say something to the effect of like your weight is not the determinant of your ultimate happiness, but I also know that at that time in my life you I, know would, you. Yeah. I wouldn't have heard it. I would not have been able to hear that. I would not have believed it. If somebody had said that to me, I would have said, you're full of shit. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think, you know, I think that that's really sort of like, you know, are you ready to hear a message that is like, are you when you're like, you have to be, you have to getting to the place where you're even willing to hear a body love message truly, really without like, without, you know, without feeling like it's woo woo bullshit is a big deal, you know? And so I don't know, I I would say that, but I'm not sure if it would have made a difference if I had heard that as a seven. I'm sure I did. I'm sure somebody said that to me when I was 17 Yeah, and I'm sure I didn't listen. Um, but so maybe I would say, I think that what I would probably say to myself, I know what I wanted to hear when I was 17, which is it's all going to be okay. And you're going to figure this out. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, so last thing, what's an example that with working with your clients that has really surprised you from doing this work that, um, do you find that women handle these issues pretty similar across the board or are there different types of, obviously there are, but, um, are there different types of things through, through your work that have helped some people other than others? Anything that surprised you along the way with your business working with people? You know, it's interesting. I would say that the themes are generally pretty similar. Um, however, I think where there's the most differentiation between my clients is that everyone has different beliefs that they attach to weight. So again, it's this question of you only want to lose weight because of what you think it's going to bring you. You only care about your weight because of this like belief system that you attach to weight and this like what you make weight mean, what you make fat mean versus what you make thin mean, right? Like if you make fat mean like lazy, disgusting, unattractive, unsuccessful, and you make thin mean like everyone will love me and I'll be confident and blah, blah, you know, et cetera, et cetera. That's that's really what this boils down to. The different the differences between my clients are that each client has a slightly different has slightly different hang-ups, right? Like they have slightly different things that they make weight mean. And that's where I see the most differentiation uh, yeah. between them. Yeah. I love that. So 
again, I have like eight more questions I want to ask you. I'm going to I'm going to wrap with one last final one that I really wanted to touch on today because I know this is an issue um, that people will be thinking about with this. So where does exercise and fitness play into account and um, maybe just touch on briefly exercise for enjoyment rather than fear and um, how that can be a hang up on of people? Yeah, I mean, really, I think that that, you know, it's, it's so interesting because I think so many people are obsessed with exercising as a way of controlling their weight, right? Which anytime you're obsessed with anything as a method of controlling your weight, whether it be exercise or food, like you are giving that thing a lot of power to control how you feel about yourself. And when you give that much, when you give like your ability to feel okay or safe or not okay or unsafe to some, to an external environmental situation, you're putting yourself at huge, huge, huge risk, right? Like what happens if you break your leg and can't work out, you know, like you just, you can't give anything outside of yourself that much power to determine how you get to feel about yourself. So, um, that's a really, really hard thing with working out. Now, um, on the flip side, working out is awesome and it makes people feel really good. There is also scientific evidence to prove that working out actually like boosts all of these different hormonal and chemical changes in your body. People, whether they care about weight or not, men, women, you know, wherever you're from, I don't care. People tend to actually just feel more confident and feel more calm and feel more safe and feel more present when they've gotten a workout in. Like, that's just, like, a scientific, like, thing. Um, it's a chemical thing. It's a hormonal thing. Working out just feels, it feels really good. Like, when I have a day where I've gotten in a workout, like, that day is going to go a hell of a lot more awesome, most likely, than a day that I don't. I do not work out to control my body. I do not control, I do not work out to control the way I look. I work out because it makes me feel awesome. Yeah. It makes me feel awesome. It makes me feel powerful. It makes me feel like, oh, it just makes me feel more like alive. Yeah. And yeah, so if women can lean into that a little bit, and lean out of, I need to work out to feel good about myself. That's really the distinction that I'm trying to make. Love it. I'm so glad we touched on that. And I just want to leave people with, um, the, it's a quote from Erin Stutland, who I know we both love, Isabel. Mm -hmm. um, and she says, you know, movement in your body creates movement in your mind. And yeah. for me, that's a big shift with my focus on exercise is that, I have a lot to do today. I need to exercise for that reason, not because, yeah. not anything because of my body, anything because of how I'm going to feel. I want the mental clarity that it gives me. So we'll leave Absolutely. people with that. We'll have all the links below. Isabel, you're going to have to come back now because I have like a laundry <laughs> list of questions we didn't get to. But yeah, um, thank up. you. Thank you for everything. And um, thank you, everyone, so much for listening. Thanks for listening. You made it all the way to the end. I'll be back next week, but until then, let's stay inspired and keep this conversation going. So tweet at me at Katie Dalebout and our guest with your aha moments from this conversation and like the Wellness Wonderland on Facebook so we can all hang out there and discuss how inspired we are and how we'll apply it in our daily lives. And never miss another episode or post from me by signing up for email updates on thewellnesswonderland.com. See you back in Wonderland.